Hey everyone, this is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but our journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. In this episode, I'll be sharing my story on how I found out I had cancer. So, here we go. It's the year of 2019, and my boyfriend, Brian, felt something abnormal about my left breast. But I shook it off each time he mentioned it because I didn't think it was anything I needed to be worried about. As naive as I was, I thought it was some changes in my breast, especially during my menstrual cycle. Was it big? Was it small? Was it? It was, I would say, like, it's bigger than a pea size, but I still wasn't convinced that I needed to go see a doctor. For some reason, I, I I think I was also maybe just a bit terrified um, mm-hmm. that it might be something. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't as concerned. It wasn't until we were planning our move to L.A. in the next few months in 2021 that I did something about it before moving. I wanted to see my dentist and my naturopathic doctor for one last checkup before I move and can no longer see them anymore. It is also difficult to find the right dentist and doctor in a new city since it's an extensive process to find someone who accepts your insurance, but also one that you adore and like. So I am sure everyone could agree on that. No, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> you're comfortable with the doctors that you've had for so long, and right, it's definitely good to do that before. They... <laughs> exactly. So, with that being said, I scheduled a time to see my naturopathic doctor in Seattle. When I arrived, I found out I was actually 30 minutes late. <laughs> my appointment was at 3 p.m. and not 3:30. So I put the wrong time on my Google Calendar. Needless to say, I am a pretty organized person and I have everything jotted down on my Google Calendar. But I just made a mistake that one time. I was panicking and angry at myself because I took a $20 Uber to get to my doctor's appointment. But also, I absolutely hate it when I miss an appointment. The front desk receptionist was really nice and asked my doctor if she could fit me in that day. I've waited 45 minutes to see her, but I'm glad I did because I didn't know 
when I'll be able to book another appointment with her because her clinic gets booked up pretty quickly and I felt like it would take longer to try to figure out, you know, what the hell I had on my left breast. When I went to her office, she was just so empathetic about me missing my appointment and mentioned it has happened to her as well. <laughs> so that made me feel better. And also, I'm glad she acknowledged it was really by accident because I didn't want her to think that I did it intentionally. You know, I don't know. That's just me. Right. You don't want to seem like you're flaky. Right. And you're, yeah. yeah, I get that. <laughs> that makes sense. You're organized. You're together. Exactly. <laughs> was she, did you see like a look of concern on her face when she did the breast exam? Like, did you kind of know that this was bad? When I walked in, I wasn't concerned. In my viewpoint, I didn't really had a reason to think that it was something bad. Right. You were feeling like otherwise yes. healthy and that like you just felt you were like in a good place and there was no other like major symptoms of that would like cause you to feel like, okay, this could be something really serious. Exactly. Yes. That's why I wasn't concerned because you know, doctors told me I was healthy. I didn't feel sick. So one of the things that I thought when you had cancer is that you feel sick. Right. <laughs> Which is not true. No, that's definitely like a very big, like, I felt the best that I had ever felt, I think, you know. Yeah. I, that's definitely a misconception in the, in the cancer world. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's obviously other cancers that have different symptoms, like that you would immediately know. Um, breast cancer is not, is not one of those. Yep. Yeah. So I explained to her why I came to see her and she did the breast exam. She measured the two areas. So I had a lump inside my breast and I also had a small little raised red bump that was on top of the skin. So at that point, I think I was more concerned about the red bump because I had that for a year and it did it like I can see it. So whenever I looked at myself in the mirror, it wasn't shrinking at all. So I wanted to come and see her and just see what the hell that was. Is it like a cyst? What can I do to make it shrink? Right. Now, when you say bump, was it like a rash bump or like more of like a pimple looking bump or was it like a birthmark? It was more like a pimple type of bump. Yeah. She, um, yeah. So like she measured the two areas and she wasn't too concerned about it. Like she felt the lump, she looked at the bump, but she wanted to make sure we knew exactly what it was. So she wrote up a referral to the University of Washington Breast Imaging Clinic and explained to me the process of having an ultrasound and if they needed to take a step further, that they would perform a biopsy. But she assured me that I'm too young and I shouldn't be worried about having breast cancer. And she also mentioned that she thought that the lump was a benign. So I'm going to leave it there. That's, I think, very common um, 
within doctors, I mean, mine did the same with just being like, you're too young for this. And no, we're not. (laughs) Not being too concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward, I visited the breast imaging clinic and they had me change into a gown and walked me to the room where I'll be getting my ultrasound. I'm laying on the table, boobs out and all. She applied the cold gel cream to my boob and then applied pressure to my boob with like the ultrasound machine. I don't know what it's called, but on the right of me, there was a screen where I could somewhat view what was going on, even though I had no idea. But the only thing I can remember is seeing a black hole and each time she took measurements of the black holes that she saw. At that time, I was getting really anxious for sure. Was she talking to you like throughout the process or was she pretty quiet? She was not. She was pretty quiet. I was trying to see like her reaction to everything and she had no reaction. Yeah, they're just clicking. Lots of clicking, lots of measuring. Yeah. And then of course, we're in masks too. So you can't even see anything, you know, like this is COVID mm-hmm. time, so like everyone's in the mask. You don't see the reaction, so you're just like, I just remember staring at my ultrasound tech, like just being trying to figure out, trying to get a read. Yeah, that's a really great point. That it, it was during COVID times, so everyone was wearing a mask. Yeah, right, and shields, and like, yeah, everyone was like doubled up. So it's like it was hard to to figure out what was mm-hmm. going on. Now, when your your doctor ordered you a sonogram. But not a mammogram. No. So, yeah, she only wanted to do an ultrasound, which is the same thing as the sonogram. But, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, you know, what she was mentioning is that, you know, if they have to take it a step further, they would do a biopsy to know exactly what it is. But, no, she she didn't order a mammogram. Yeah. So the ultrasound tech, once she was finished with her measurements – She told me she needed to step out and speak to the radiologist. The ultrasound tech. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to say like, especially, you know, during this episode, I think it's something that I would always remember because it's, I don't know, it it changed my life. I'm having flashbacks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Very similar. And everything went by so fast. The radiologist came in. And he's a male, by the way. So he examined my left boob with the ultrasound machine. And, you know, like the ultrasound tech was a woman and I felt comfortable with her, you know, examining. But I had no idea that a male would come in. And so I just kind of felt... Blindsided? Yeah, I would say blindsided because... I don't want a male to be touching up on my boobs. Like that's just who I am. And and I don't like that. That day, I just felt I had no choice. So, you know, he examined my left boob with the ultrasound machine. And once more on the screen, I saw that black hole. And when he was done, I stood up and he had a very concerning look on his face, which made me even more nervous. He explained that the lump isn't a cyst. 
and they would need to perform a biopsy to determine what exactly it was. Did they like first? Did they say like this could be cancer? This is cancer. No, this is nothing like that. They just no, said you would need nothing. a biopsy to figure out what this is. So then, did they order the biopsy? Like, did you have it the same day, or did you have to come back? No, I had to come back in that room. Like he started questioning me, asking me like, you know, when did I find this lump? And when I told him a year ago, he asked me like, why did I come in sooner to get it checked? So I remember feeling distraught, hopeless, angry at him (laughs) for questioning me about these things and making me feel like I did something wrong. Like, I don't like when people question me like that. And especially since he was a male, like I was even like (laughs) angrier. I felt like he wasn't being empathetic. Yeah. I think that that's why I look a lot of women, especially um, in like, you know, your gynecologist, like for the longest time, I only saw women like I just felt like, I how am I gonna have a man tell me what's going on? In like, I'm a, a woman in a woman's body, like, you don't know. You don't know, you know, you don't who are you to sit there and tell me anything. So that's like, I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though like, I'm sure he meant well, but like, I, I, I didn't like how he approached it. <laughs> so yeah and that's especially like in that moment of Mm -hmm. like fuck like this is this could be something really bad like if there was a any time to have not been that type of doctor Mm -hmm. and like showed a little bit exactly like it should have been that i left there crying and i called my boyfriend to like deliver the news that basically I had to get a biopsy and they don't know exactly what it was. Whatever this lump was, I knew I wanted to get it out. That was my plan. And what what month was this again? This was in February of 2021. So mid-February. Okay. Yeah. And this was before yeah. your move? I was still in you Seattle. Said? Yeah. And when was your move? Just so we have like a time frame. We were planning on moving in March. Okay. Um, we didn't actually move just yet because of everything that was going on. Got it. Yeah. I had the biopsy a week later. And man, I just hate biopsies. The suspense and everyone being on top of you and hearing that loud machine click when it gets a sample of your tissue. But, you know, trust me, ladies, that one thing that is like reassuring is you can ask for more numbing around, you know, the area that they're taking the biopsy of if you feel anything, anything, small or big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you shouldn't feel anything. You shouldn't. Ultimately, like, no. I mean, you definitely feel like pressure and pulling, but you don't feel, you're not going to feel, you're not supposed to feel any pain. I went into it thinking it was going to be like surgery. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, I went into it being like, this is going to be like crazy. And I, especially, I don't know. I've never Mm -hmm. had surgery before, you know, um, my double mastectomy, but you know, so of course, like every little procedure is like this huge, like, I thought it was going to be, you know, the equivalent of like open heart surgery. (laughs) Yes. So that's exactly how I felt. It was a huge surgery and I was freaking out for sure because again and I'm going to preface this 
I thought I was a healthy person. So why the hell do I need to do all these tests? So, you know, after they were finished taking, they took five samples and they could take anywhere from three to five, but um, they took five and they told me that I would find out the results in the next five days. It didn't take five days. It took less than that. Yeah. I remember when I received that phone call. Did you think like, this is it? Or did you think that this is going to be benign? Like, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, as blindsided as I was. And, you know, uh, I thought it was going to be a benign and everything would be fine. Okay. Do you think that that was worse? Yes. You know, it's 2020. A lot of people are working from home. So I was working from home and it was in the afternoon, I think, you know, around like two and I received a phone call. I answered it, not thinking anything, you know, and it's the radiologist, the man (laughs) who called me. (laughs) (laughs) So that instantly puts you in like the best mood ever. Right. (laughs) He basically told me that the results came back abnormal okay let's just sink that in what does abnormal mean right like (laughs) it's either you have cancer or you don't have cancer yeah like yeah call me and I need some clear-cut answers this is yeah abnormal yeah that could be a million and one things exactly so he told me it was abnormal and then I was like okay because you know whatever like I thought abnormal whatever we're gonna take the lump out it's fine I'll be fine but then I think because you know it took him time I'm going to say for him to get the fucking word out so when he said that was abnormal and I said okay then he proceeded to say that I have cancer we couldn't just lead off with that like we had to, we had to drag it yeah. out, uh, drag out the, uh, the diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I would say that's probably the second thing that he did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably also the worst person to tell you this. Cause you had already been like, you already felt some type of way about him. And now you I did. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did. During that time, you know, I picked up the phone call during a client call, but I wasn't the one leading the call. So I, you know, I felt like I could just take this quick call and, you know, I don't have to participate for like that five minutes. So, you know, I muted the client call and he told me that I had cancer. My whole life, I felt like just went upside down. I started to panic and I hysterically crying. And I was like, can you call me back? Just, just call me back at three because I, I couldn't handle the news. Bad news like that. It's like an instant blackout. Yep. I mean, at least for myself, like I don't hear anything else after that. Yep. So that's, yeah, you exactly. needed some time to process. It sounds like. Did he call you he back did. on time? All right. He did something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> During that time, you know, I, I went back to the meeting and I tried to focus as much as I possibly could. It was very difficult to focus. 
I was in my studio apartment and I was pacing, just pacing up and down, up and down, up and down. And I was like breathing really hard. And then I was touching, you know, my hair, my face, and and I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. The first thing I thought was that I'm I'm dying. <laughs> that was the first thing that I thought. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to live. Like it was, there was just so many things that went through my mind. Yeah. They don't initially tell you too how bad no. it is. Like they, you know, it's, um, you know, you get this initial shock and then it's, there's like not a whole bunch of information that, that really follows. It's kind of like, okay, you have cancer, make an appointment with a breast surgeon. He basically told me that a nurse navigator would be in contact with me. Um, and I think she contacted me that day or, yeah, I think she contacted me actually that day. Um, but yeah, when he called back, um, you know, he basically said it again that, you know, I had cancer. And the one thing he said right <laughs> is just take it one day at a time. And even though that's probably like foreign, I think taking that into consideration and just knowing that like just live life one day at a time that was like the worst thing that I could have heard like at that time I don't know like I'm somebody that I needed all the information I needed everything I needed to know exactly what was going to happen that day I just needed to prepare I don't know like you know everyone is different right um you know in the grand scheme of it it's the best advice you can get in this journey. Mm -hmm. At that particular moment, it's like it was the worst thing that I could have possibly heard. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, you know, everyone's everyone. Did I take it one day at a time? Hell fucking no. Like not that week. But um, I think later on in my journey, yes, I did. He basically gave me the phone number of the nurse navigator. I called her and she didn't. I think I left a voicemail or something like that. But I remember FaceTiming my boyfriend right away and like hysterically crying. And he lives like 10 minutes away at that time. So he like dropped everything and like came over. And when the nurse navigator called me back, he was there. I think at that time, you need to have someone there with you to understand the information. I, didn't comprehend what was going on like being like not having my boyfriend or my family members like be in the room with me during doctor's appointments like there's absolutely no way there it would have been I think like my like, yeah. it would have made the situation so much worse for me and you know like I think having that person there to like kind of just hear, be the second ear like yeah. listening ear makes the whole world a difference yeah black that your brain is in shock like your body is in shock right it's like you don't there's no way you can comprehend every piece of information they're sending, like they're throwing at you. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Impossible. During your, um, I just wanted to ask, like, so from the time you had your, like I said, your initial sonogram to like them calling you to tell you that this was cancer, like, were you Googling? Were no. you 
trying to no. know. You didn't yes. want to know. You were like, I'll deal with this when the time comes. You weren't like, let no. me get all the information. Because it was too scary for me. Okay. Very oh, scary. Definitely. Like I didn't know anything about <laughs> breast cancer. Nothing. Nothing at all. So just Googling I, at that time just wouldn't help. Right. So other than the lump though, you didn't have any, and, and your, you know, also your, um, your bump, so, you know, did you have mm-hmm. like discoloration? Did you have like a, in, you know, inverted nipple? Did you have like rippling? You had dippling, no. nothing like that. Got it. No. Yeah. And no discharge as well. Yeah. When the nurse navigator called me, she was basically saying, that my cancer is slow growing. That's the only thing that I remember from that conversation. That put me a little bit at ease because that means that I can do something about it and I can stop it from growing even more. But I didn't know anything else that day was horrific. Right after, you know, I got off the phone with her, I think we made appointments, an MRI and a mammogram, but I don't remember because, you know, the only thing I remember is her saying that the cancer is slow growing. It also meant that it was like less aggressive, like it's not fast growing. It's not something that's like multiplying and, and getting bigger and bigger and bigger quickly. Um, and this was on a Thursday. So I was basically I was diagnosed February 23rd, I believe. I think that was a Thursday. I was diagnosed on a Thursday too. That's- <sighs> wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember the dates. Like, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget them. You know, she made the appointment to see the breast surgeon. So that was like the next Tuesday that I was going to see Dr. Perrin. Um. And then I remember now that like that same day she scheduled the mammogram and the MRI as well. Yeah, my boyfriend, he was very distraught as well. Um, and he, I remember, I, I think I remember like he cried too because he had like no idea what was going on as well I mean it's a lot too to to process and then also have to deal with like your reaction on top of it like it's yeah I mean it's not it's some heavy stuff yeah and I remember actually like FaceTime my mom like earlier that month I think it was like a federal holiday coming up and I was off And she was asking me, like, you know, what I was doing on my day off. And that was the time that I had my doctor's appointment. And my mom is someone who gets worried. Um, And so I didn't want to worry her. So you just never mentioned the lump at all to her? I never mentioned the lump to her. I basically told her I was just getting, you know, a physical. Or you get yourself through, like, one day. I guess. And yeah, I mean, sometimes you like, mm-hmm. it's easier just to handle it. Yeah, I agree. And that's just part of my personality is I like to handle things on my own. You know, I think she had like a mother instinct because when I was telling her, you know, I was going to a doctor's appointment 
you know, she was basically telling me, you know, like, what's wrong? Why are you going to the doctor? She really wanted to get like that information out of me. And I was just saying, you know, I'm just getting a physical. And then I think it calmed her down a bit. But I think she had an instinct or something that like something was going on. I also think too, I mean, we're like, women in our 20s and early 30s mm-hmm. and like when you I think everyone just assumes like when you're going to see your gynecologist that you're like a pregnant or trying to get pregnant yes. or anything like that right. so like of course I feel like everyone's like immediately just gonna start assuming like what's going on right right I mean even telling people like this news where I'm like I'm not pregnant <laughs> I have news I'm not pregnant that was like my yeah. my, my go-to you know but I think um of course, that's going to have everyone like in the back of their head thinking it's like going to be this. So then when I found out I had cancer, I did FaceTime my mom. And, you know, I basically was a, at a very vulnerable spot and I was hysterically crying. And I basically told her that I had cancer. Um, and I basically mentioned to her, like, you know, what was going on. Because that was a time where I felt it was appropriate to mention to her. You know, like everyone else, she was very taken aback because no one in our family has breast cancer. Basically, I'm the first person in the family to have it. My grandfather on my dad's side died of leukemia, but that's the only person who had cancer and he was he was really old you know he was in his like 70s I believe right yeah I think that's another thing too like there are cancers that you know are you're genetically predisposed to but there's a lot of environmental factors like I had my grandfather had lung cancer but he worked on tugboats for the coast guard mm. you know he had mesothelioma never say that word but like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, it, it wasn't something that like ran in our family. It was more environmentally impacted, yeah. you know? Um, so it's, I think that that's like another big exception that like, you know, like, yes, like it does, it can run in your family, but like anybody can get these, can, you know, can get any type of cancer from just lifestyles, like where you live, you know, like it could be anything. Yes. Yeah, so that was one thing that I thought you had family history with breast cancer, you're more inclined to potentially having breast cancer. But even though that's like necessarily true, that doesn't mean that if it doesn't run in your family, you can't get it either. And that's the part that I miss. You almost were like, this can't happen to me. This doesn't run in my family. This is like not, this isn't something that is relevant in my life. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I wasn't concerned about the lump because I was like, you know, cancer doesn't really run in my family and let alone breast cancer. Like my mother never, I mean, you know, she's still alive. Like she, she doesn't have breast cancer like till this day or, you know, my grandmother either right? or any of my aunts, like no one, no one. (laughs) Yeah. But um, one of the stats that I read online which is very scary, actually, is one in eight women get diagnosed with breast cancer. And that is a lot. And that's in that's all women. 
of all ages. Yeah. It's even, it's even like the rates are so much lower for women in their 20s, 30s. It's crazy. I think it's like one in mm-hmm. 7,000. I could be wrong, but I think that that's the, the, the number. Um, mm-hmm. You know, under 40. And that's another thing too, is the reason why you have a mammogram at the age of 40 is because it's known that you could be diagnosed with breast cancer starting at age 40. So that was another thing, you know, why I wasn't as concerned because who the hell gets breast cancer (laughs) in their 20s and 30s? Like, again, I'm completely fucking wrong. And that's why I was so blindsided with everything. Yeah. Well, that's why I think too for, you know, I've been since been diagnosed, really pushing people doing their breast exams. Like, Mm-hmm. people they say you know like you know in like health class you know they tell you to do it and your gynecologist the once yearly that you go to the gynecologist and you get your like actual breast exam from a doctor they tell you to do it and I just feel like it's not taken like fully seriously like I remember going it's in my not. in my early 20s and being you know all right yeah I do my monthly whatever like I'll do my monthly things am I making sure I do it once a month no am I taking this that seriously no because I don't think that this happens to me yeah Mm-hmm. you know whether or not a random my family like I have an aunt that had that had breast cancer um but like even in in the back of my head at that point being like I'm not taking this seriously this is not something that I need to be taking this seriously this young anyway um exactly exactly and you know with your gynecologist or with your like general doctor they don't preface enough about doing a breast exam. You know, my doctors and your doctors too, like they didn't push it. No, they didn't. No. They, I mean, I, she didn't mm-hmm. seem, like you said, didn't seem concerned. I didn't seem concerned either. And her lack of concern kind of prevented me from really handling mm-hmm. that situation like head on, like running to go mm-hmm. and get this like checked out. You know, like I kind of trusted that and that's not, yeah. you know. Even, she was a woman too, you know, which was kind of, if anything, like you should have been like, we're taking this serious. And I didn't get that. I, I don't know. It's just, I think that I, I wish, that, I feel like now with my diagnosis and like my monthly Instagram post of check your boobs on the first, feel it on the first. Like I have women, girls that I went to high school with or girls that I just know that are like, you know, they're mothers now, they're under 40 and they're like, I love this post. Like I'm taking this, people are taking this serious now it all it takes is for you to know one person for love that know, love that yeah, yeah like my sister was able to get now yearly mammograms um by no i think she gets two a year now her insurance will cover it based off of like my situation i have friends that are like i had a lump for a long time and i'm getting a check now and it's just a cyst thank god but like i would not have gone and got a check tech had you're you raising not. awareness which is awesome yeah Kind of going back, you know, I I found out I had cancer on Thursday and I was scheduled to see my breast surgeon that following Tuesday. So, you know, I was waiting in the room and she comes in with two other women and basically asked me if it was okay that they were in the room. I think they were like students. Like residents is your your teaching hospital? Yeah. yeah. And so I told her no. 
<laughs> I mean, no, like this, I don't, I don't need to have these many people in the room and I don't want to be like at that time, I didn't want to be an experiment, I guess, is what no, I You thought. advocated for your needs, which is important. You did the right thing. So one of them had to stay because she was taking notes for Dr. Perrin, but she was hidden over the curtain. So I don't see her. So I can just have this one-on-one with Dr. Perrin. Like this is the first time I'm interacting with Dr. Perrin. My boyfriend wasn't allowed in the room. So one way that they allowed me to have him quote unquote in the room is to call him. Um, You know, it's not the best way. But during COVID times, they were pretty like strict with having people in the room. Yeah, and it was also better for him to hear so a phone call. Yeah, you know, not that most ideal situation, but mm-hmm. better than nothing. Mm-hmm. I will also say that it's nice to have someone who is intelligent and someone who you know would ask questions, like smart questions, and. He was that. He was asking questions that I wasn't thinking of. And he would retain information that maybe I didn't retain. So it was really great to have him in there because if it was my parents, for example, like, you know, I'm first generation Latina and my parents don't really understand English that well, they wouldn't be able to help me or guide me in that process. Also, it probably would have been high emotion too of like them hearing yeah. this is our daughter, our only daughter going, you know, it's, I feel like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Having him was probably like the best person you could have had. At he that was. Moment. And he still is the best person to have. Yeah. You know, meeting with Dr. Perrin, she was asking me questions, you know, like when did I find this lump? She was just doing like the breast exam on the left and right breast. She didn't feel anything on the right breast. Um, but she kind of measured, you know, the left breast and the the raised bump. She didn't know what that red raised bump was. Um, but when she was like talking to me about like the surgery, she would like scrape it off because it could be affected with cancer. She also asked me about my family history, you know, if anyone would had ovarian breast or colon cancer. Um, I told her, you know, no one did. And she went through actually my pathology report. And one thing I would tell you guys is, you know, if you want like a printed out version of your pathology report, ask for it because that's what I did. I was like, can I have a printed copy of the pathology report? And she allowed me to to have one, obviously, because, you know, it's it's my case and I'm paying for this and and you know. But um she was basically kind of going through my T and M um like staging. She also was going through my receptors. So she was saying that I had a good right. kind of cancer, which I didn't understand, but now I do. Yes. Best case. Best case cancer. <laughs> yeah. Best case. Yes. <laughs> I was 95% ER positive and I was 95% PR positive with a KI67 of 
KI67, basically she was saying that my cancer is slow growing and um, it's not multiplying cells quickly. That was another best case as well. When she was going over my TNM, she was saying that the size of my tumor, that would be a number two. We don't know if any lymph nodes were involved. So she basically said that was a zero for now. And if metastasize, um, we don't know that either. So that's a zero. So basically, she staged me at stage 1B. Another thing is that that staging could change because mine did. Mine changed like three times, let me tell you. <laughs> well, yeah. There's also like the grades of your tumor, which I don't think that you get until, you know, the full pathology, like once the tumor is like fully removed. So, yeah, the, the numbers do. From yes, surgery, the numbers yeah. do change. Um, and. My uh, did your doctor just tell you how like staging the last few years has been different? No, than it's been in the past. She said that it it there's a lot of factors that go into the staging, and it's she said it's not as like relied upon, almost like it's not the. I'd have to I have to go back and read what I wrote down, but basically saying like it's. The staging last few years is different than what it was in the past. Like stage three is not mm-hmm. like a death sentence. Stage four is not a death sentence. Like not as not as serious, but it's definitely different than what it was in the past. Yes, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, if you're a stage three, that's not like the end of the world. You know, she went through the brochure and kind of went through like the different surgeries. Again, I had no knowledge of anything. So she was telling me about the lepectomy. She was talking about the mastectomy. And at that time, we were discussing about doing a lepectomy. Did you talk to anybody like friends, friends of friends or like anybody that kind of like had either had breast cancer or like knew somebody that was in the field? Yep. So my cousin... Um, who studied medicine back in the Dominican Republic, I called him up. I think it was that weekend maybe I called him up, or I think it was the following week that I did. Basically, I wanted him to kind of guide me towards the process, which he did, even though he's not like a breast surgeon, but he studied medicine and he also had friends who had breast cancer so, um, you know, he was telling me about like the different like surgeries, talking to me about like the pathology report, asking me to like send it to him um, so he can understand exactly like what was going on. So, yeah, he was he was definitely like super helpful and he was the only person that I can talk to about this. Yeah, they seemed like a good resource. Yeah, he was definitely was. So when Dr. Perrin was kind of going through the brochure, you know, she was talking about like the different surgeries and then she skipped over chemotherapy because she didn't want to scare me. And also like I blocked that out, like in my head, I was telling myself like, I'm, I'm not going to get chemo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I know. Uh Anytime chemo got brought up, it was an instant blackout. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then she 
went over to hormonal therapy and basically was talking about like how after all this, I would need to take these medications for five plus years. And like with all that information, I was very overwhelmed. I didn't know what the hell hormonal therapy was. And I was like, okay, I thought, you know, we can get this done and over with just with their surgery. And I never have to fucking think about breast cancer again. But no, that's a lie. (laughs) Psych. Yep. (laughs) No, you have to take these medications for the next five years because we don't want any recurrence to come back. Didn't know that. But yeah, that's, that's essentially, you know, my story of how I found out. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 especially the beginning part of your journey, kind of like, it's not like, cru- it's not like, obviously not crucial for like your full journey, but like, it's definitely something you like, don't forget. And you don't, you almost like, like looking back on the last six months mm-hmm. of my life, it's like been insane, just how fast and quick and like the amount of doctor's appointments, procedures, everything like, that has like happened in the last mm-hmm. six months, at least for myself. But you know, the beginning of your journey is like something you just don't ever forget. And it's the most heavy, it's probably the heaviest portion of the entire thing. Right now, you know, I think time has passed that I don't get emotional anymore. But yeah, it was it was very difficult where like I wanted to like block out that <laughs> entire week. But I think it's it's good for me to just remember what happens and also now I'm knowledgeable in my diagnosis and now we're able to pass that along yeah we're we're able to pass that along exactly and I feel you know that at that time I didn't know any terminologies they weren't like sticking to my head and I I would keep forgetting and I didn't understand anything and um it was very hard for me to like comprehend what was going on but you know now I I do and I understand, and it's going to take time for you to understand what, what the hell is going on. Um, also knowing. And there's no time frame. Yeah, no time frame. Yeah. Processing. Uh-uh. There's no, pro- no, because I mean, there's still things I think that we have to process every day that even though we found out about it five, six months ago, whatever, yeah. still very raw almost and very like hard to hear. And like, you know, I still like, I still have to process so much of like this whole situation Mm -hmm. it's also um that day when they tell you that you have cancer it's life-changing your life changes you are not the same person after that no there's and there's no you're never that same person again never that like carefree thinking you know like just this isn't gonna happen to me or whatever is just I, I like miss I miss that person. Yeah, let me tell you, I was definitely carefree. That's another reason why I wasn't concerned about the lump because I was carefree. I was like healthy, you know, I'm gonna live my life. I'm in my twenties. Like I need to spend as much time having fun before I have to get like serious and have a family, you know, <laughs> all of that. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. I know that feeling. Well, thanks for sharing your story. It's- uh, oh no it's a lot of process you were brave before i would get emotional mm. even talking about How it could you not but now your life yeah 
feel things have slowed down a bit, even though I'm going through chemotherapy, um, like surgery and everything is already in the past. So I think I have time to digest information. Definitely. The whirlwind is gone. Yeah. Has, has the whirlwind is gone. gone. Like yeah. that's calmed down and there's not this like ever changing, like we see, you know, we're in chemo now. We go to our chemo sessions. We see our doctors, but we're not, we're not rushing all these doctor's appointments. Like surgery's mm-hmm. done. We're not, you know, it's a kind of like the dust is settled. Not, mm-hmm. not fully, but like the, the rush of it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, we, we both shared our stories. Thank you, Shauna, for sharing yours as well. And, you know, we hope to see you on our next episode. Thank you all for listening to our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us. And we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at T-Y-F-T-S podcast. And our email is T-Y-F-T-S podcast at gmail.com. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes.